Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today we're going back to basics a bit, and we're going to talk about effectively communicating on your VHF. And I think in the the age of cell phones, where every boat has multiple cell phones aboard, sometimes we use those for things that perhaps years ago we would have been using the VHF radio for. And because of that, I think uh, some people are a little bit less comfortable with the VHF. Um, So our guest today will be Jeremy Dan, and he is the founder and CEO of Untold Horizon, which is a voyage planning service and a new sponsor of AGLCA. And he suggested this topic, and I thought it was really a great idea to kind of brush up on this, as I said, kind of back-to-basics skill. So before I bring Jeremy into the conversation, I do want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Beneteau, Curtis Stokes & Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. And with that out of the way, Jeremy, Dan, thank you for joining me today on Great Loop Radio. Hi, Kim. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we appreciate your sponsorship, and we appreciate you carving out some time for us today because I know you're, you're headed off a little bit later in the day. Um, but let's start with, for those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about your boating background. Yeah, certainly. So I, I've been boating uh, pretty much my entire life. Started out by actually uh, building wooden boats as a child and uh, grew my interest into learning how to operate those boats. Uh, spent my high school summers working as a deck hand on uh, schooners, local schooners in Connecticut. And then uh, from there, went on to Maine Maritime Academy, where I got my uh, commercial license, a 500-ton mate's license. Um from there, I sent sailed open ocean um, on tall ships, teaching a semester at sea programs as a third mate and second mate, and then uh, continued on to working on tugboats, uh, where I upgraded my license to a 500-ton master's license. Um, over the last seven years, I have been working as both a mate uh, on tugs and barges in the New York area, and then recently in the last uh, two years had been brought up to captain moving oil barges. Um, and uh, about, about just over two years ago, we started Untold Horizon to help people get to where they want to go uh, in a safe manner. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about that because I think it's a very interesting concept because it does take the voyage planning but also adds that safety element. Yeah, sure. So our voyage planning service really, um, we tried to come up with a way for us to apply our training and our experience as commercial operators uh, and and really kind of put it in front of the recreational community uh, to take advantage of and help make sure that they uh, can go places that they, you know, when they bought their boat, they wanted to go places and now, now they can't take on these journeys safely. Um, and so we're, we're constantly going through training um, trying to uh, make sure that we're on our game. And so we just apply some of that knowledge. And, and the end result is basically um, when people sign up for our services, they tell us a little bit about their boating experience. We find out about the boat that they have, where they want to go. We work out whether 
or not, if that is a safe thing for them to do. And if it's not, we'll suggest alternatives for them to take on to build up their experience. But basically, what the end result is, is that we end up writing a cruising guide for them that is strictly designed for them and their trip. And it's all safety oriented. It's, you know, including ports of refuge, contact information for local authorities, uh, Coast Guard, places to anchor, uh, really making sure that everybody is as safe as can be. Yeah, and it's very nice to see you taking that um, commercial experience and applying it to the recreational vessels. And we will have you back um, at some point in the near future to talk about um, interacting with commercial vessels because that's also something that's very important safety-wise and communicating with them. Yeah. Um, and also something that I think makes many loopers a little bit skittish if they haven't um, boated in busy commercial harbors before. And New York certainly qualifies as one of those. So perhaps certainly. when, uh, perhaps when the, the 2020 fleet is at that season where they're headed towards New York, we'll bring you back to talk about that a little bit more. But um, today we want to talk about effective communication on the VHF, because some people just, if you haven't boated or if you have been a weekend boater and gotten by with using your cell phone, um, we're thankful if you've never had to use the VHF in an emergency situation, but we want you to be prepared should you need to do that. And of course, on the loop, there's lots of bridges, locks, um, and commercial traffic that you'll need to communicate with. So start off, you know, like I said, back to basics. Tell us what the different channels on the VHF radio are used for. Yeah, certainly. We'll, we'll start with the, the most... Uh well, the highest priority. So everybody knows, you know, there's channel 16, right? So the Coast Guard monitors channel 16. If you ever get in trouble, you can call them on channel 16 and they'll be there to, to answer it for you. So it's also used for just general hailing. And when I say hailing, I mean literally just reaching out to somebody, calling them by name, having them answer, um, and that's it. Okay. Once you hail them, you get their attention, you then switch channels. It's not meant for having a conversation because uh, essentially if you're on channel 16 and you're talking over the radio, you could be drowning out somebody else who's actually in trouble trying to get in touch with the Coast Guard. But if you just need to get somebody's attention, sure, give them a call um, just by name. And then once you have their attention, do switch channels to um, a, a different channel. Um now, um, from there, we'll go to uh, the Coast Guard also uses 22 Alpha. What you'll commonly hear if you're just listening to Channel 16 is that if they're trying to communicate with somebody or if they have just a general announcement they have to make, they'll tell you, they'll tell the person or the general public to switch to 22 Alpha. It's kind of like a, a liaison channel. Um, and then we have uh, Channel 13. Now, this is a ship-to-ship -ship channel, so basically for commercial traffic. We use this quite regularly to communicate with each other um, rather than always calling each other on channel 16. Um, kind of keeps it, keeps it free for emergencies. So we talk to each other on 13 a lot. We'll make um, general announcements like security calls on 13. Um, and for the recreational folks, we Generally, would like for you to stay off of 13 because, you know, we need to communicate on there. But you may need to use 13 to hail a bridge or, or a lock or, or something like that. So there are situations for recreational boaters to use 13. Also, if you need to get a hold of a commercial vessel, you can use 13 as well if you can't get them on 16. Um, 
from there, really, uh, we can go to, uh, let's see. So we got channels for recreational boaters to use, right? Um, you can use channels 6, 8, 6, 9, 7, 1, 7, 2, 78 alpha. Those are all fine to use. Um, and, uh, let's see. Um, yeah, there, there are also, uh, certain radio channels for, uh, port operations. So in places like, uh, New York, major harbors like, uh, New York, New Orleans, um, they, they tend to operate under a vessel traffic service. So commercial operators, uh, won't actually be monitoring channel 16 because the vessel traffic service is operated by the Coast Guard. So when they're in that service, uh, don't expect them to answer 16, the commercial vessels. Um, they might be monitoring uh, channel 12 or 14 or channel 5. Um, so once again, it's, it's usually best to try and hail these commercial vessels on channel 13. Okay, so... Um, um... So if you're going to hail another vessel then, let's say you're hailing a commercial vessel, um, uh -huh. kind of walk us through that. You would do that most likely. Would you start on 16 and if you can't get them, move to 13 or would you automatically start on 13 for a commercial vessel? Uh, for commercial vessels. So yeah, I would personally start on 13, mm -hmm. um, but, and I'd give that one or two tries, right? And so especially if you don't know the name of the vessel, um, it's important to be descriptive. Uh, so um, basically you want to describe what they are, um, what direction they're going, and something they're near, some kind of a landmark or a buoy, and just just certain descriptors uh, for them to realize, like, oh, they're talking about me. Um, a lot of people, even, even people who I've trained who have gone to school for being on the water, uh, when they first start out talking on the radio, they're trying to use themselves as a reference, and that doesn't work. Um, so it's important to try and put yourself in the shoes of the person you're trying to call. That way they can um, pick up that you're actually trying to talk to them. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would start on channel 13, try that a couple of times. If that doesn't work, then sure, go to channel 16 and try Okay. Can you give us kind of, you know, an actual example of what you would say on channel 13 if you were hailing a commercial <clears throat> vessel whose name you didn't know? Yeah, sure. Sure. So, uh, let's see, I'll, I'll, we'll pretend we're on the Hudson river. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Okay. So, so, all right. So we'll start off of the, yeah, calling the northbound tug and barge, uh, approaching, uh, let's see, approaching Hellgate, I'm <laughs> sorry, I'm on the wrong river here. Um, yeah, calling the northbound tug and barge, approaching World's End. This is the trawler uh, Martindale heading southbound. And uh, just kind of wait for a response. Um, but the important thing is that I used, you know, what they are, the directions they're going, and, and what they're near. Mm -hmm. um, and and that should raise some alarms for them. Okay. And then once they respond, you know, what kind of a response should you expect back to that back from them? <clears throat> yeah. So usually they they'd say this is the the northbound tug and barge uh, Hudson with their name mm -hmm. uh, to the station calling. 
and then you can respond back to them. Like, oh, yeah, this is the southbound, uh, you know, tug and barge Hudson. This is the southbound trawler uh, Martingale. Uh, I see you're approaching World's End. Uh, would you be comfortable if we met uh, port to port? Okay. So um, for kind of a brief conversation like that, you would stay on Channel 13? And then, Correct. because I know a lot of uh, recreational vessels, if they're going to have an extended conversation, you, you, they certainly shouldn't be chatting on 16 or even 13. So, you know, in what circumstances would you suggest moving to a working channel? If, it, if you were going to have an actual conversation, mm -hmm. then I would move to a working channel. But for making passing arrangements, you can certainly stay on 13. Okay. Um, and if you're moving to a working channel, then you just say what channel to the other boats. They confirm? Exactly. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So give us some examples um, of when you would want to hail another boat, particularly let's let's stick with commercial for a moment. Mm -hmm. um, should you follow that procedure every time you're passing a commercial vessel or only under certain circumstances? Yeah, I would say it's a, a circumstantial situation. Um, when you're dealing with commercial traffic, um, if you have any doubt as to what their intentions are, you can give them a call just to clear things up. Um, and also, if you're if it, you're getting to a situation where it look, looks like uh, you're going to be getting into kind of a tight spot with them, um, you want to give them give them a call. Um, and the reason being is it's we have as commercial operators come. Come boating season, we have a tendency to just have this mindset. It's, it's not a good mindset, but we're, it just kind of results in it. In that, you know, with cause there's so many recreational boats out that we're kind of just thinking like, well, they'll they'll get out of the way because um, mm -hmm. <laughs> we're so big and we we can't stop or, or turn very easily. Um, and and so we're obviously paying attention to where everybody is, but it, it gets to a point where if everybody was talking on the radio all the time, uh, you wouldn't be able to get anything through. Um, uh, so, yeah, I would keep it to, to circumstantial situations where you feel like you're putting yourself uh, if in danger if you continue on, or um, you just want to you just want to clear things up. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, and then um, for recreational vessels, it's it's fine to use the radio for conversation um, but as you mentioned they would probably be calling on 16 and then switching to a working channel and then that's the working channels are just open for use for conversations correct right okay. right yeah as yeah. far as if you need to contact a um, bridge or lock tender mm -hmm. is there a standard that you can share for what channel that would be or if there's not a standard mm -hmm. how do you know um, yeah, so, um, there's, there's not entire, there's not really a standard. It all kind of changes as far as what channel to hail them on. But, um, yeah, that's, uh, cause, cause some bridges are automated, some are manned. Uh, so basically the, what, what you're left with is, you know, before getting underway, you have to do your research and this is where, um, you know, voyage planning comes into effect where, mm -hmm. You've already done your research. You, you, you've looked through um, either cruising guides or um, or just on 
online or, or there's, a, there's a whole variety of, of sources to look this stuff up. Um, but, um, yeah, you basically have to do your research to find out if this bridge is manned. Uh, if it is, find it, it'll say what channel they monitor. And sometimes they operate on certain time frames, like every half hour or every hour. So you have to time out your arrival. Um, so there's no real standard answer to that, unfortunately. And that's another good reason to have a, a detailed voyage plan um, to right, look at some yeah. guidebooks and, and check out how to contact uh, those very important people along the waterway. We're going to take a quick break and play a message from one of our sponsors. When we come back, I kind of want to jump into using the VHF for some of the, the more um, when you're running into trouble and the different, the different ways to use that or the different things that you can say on the VHF to let people know what's happening. So uh, we will be back in just a moment. Good morning, loopers. Many of you are probably already cruising in southeastern waters, and that is where the Salty Southeast Cruisers Net focuses all of its efforts to help you enjoy your time on the water. So as you prepare for the next leg of your journey and as your resource for accurate, timely, and useful information, we want to invite you to use and add your knowledge to the wealth of information that's available through the Cruisers Net in its directories for marinas, bridges, and anchorages, as well as the latest fuel prices in your area. Our mission of Cruisers Helping Cruisers May we invite you to help those following in your wake by sharing with us your cruising experiences. Thank you. Have a great day. We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guest today is Jeremy Dan. He is a merchant mariner and the founder and CEO of Untold Horizon. And we're talking about effectively communicating on the VHF today. So I want to shift it a little bit into how to use the VHF for emergency or potential emergency situations. Um, so let's start with, um, oh, I don't know, maybe we start with the least serious, I guess. Um, talk about Securite, when you would use that phrase on the VHF, what it means and what it's for. Yeah, certainly. So uh, Securite is basically a general announcement, right? So um, what you also commonly hear commercial operators refer, say, rather than saying security all the time, which is the, the proper way of saying it, where we get lazy because we talk on the radio quite a bit, and we'll, we'll just say security call. Um, it's generally the same thing. It's just, just a, uh, a general announcement. It's usually saying, hey, everybody, look out. We're going to be backing out of a certain slip, um, and this is the direction we're going to be going, um, or we're about to come up on a bend where you won't be able to see us, but we don't, we don't want to surprise you. So we'll make a security call, let you know, hey, we're going to be coming through Hellgate and uh, just for everybody to look out. Um, really, really just kind of general traffic announcements. Um, and the, uh, the Coast Guard often uses it to announce if there's any kind of issues with any navigational aids or, or anything like that. And I've also had some recreational vessels, some loopers who use that um, in specific areas of the waterway, uh, similar to what, Jeremy, you were just describing for the commercial traffic. But if there's a real narrow stretch that perhaps two boats wouldn't be able to pass, um, use a security before entering that channel, um, just, you know, for safety's sake. So that's, that's kind of the, the basic um, use for that. Uh, but kind of taking that to the next step, um, talk about pon-pon and when you use that. Yeah, so um, Pon Pon is uh, it, it's an urgent message. So 
something's going wrong on the boat, um, whether you're starting to take on water or somebody's um, health is is not doing very well, um, but you're still in some kind of control over the situation. It's not an immediate emergency, um, but often pontons lead to a mayday, uh, which is an emergency, and you need immediate help. Um, so what the good thing about a pontoon is that it puts you on the Coast Guard's radar. They know that something's wrong. They know who you are, where you are, uh, and they can kind of monitor the situation um, rather than just a, all of a sudden there's a mayday. Um, so it, it is a good tool to have and to use on the radio. Um, and so that way they can monitor your situation. And of course, we hope none of our loopers ever have to use a mayday. Um, but we want them to know how to in the event that it's necessary. So tell us, um, you know, about a mayday call. What what specifically Certainly. should you say? Um, what situation should you reserve that for? Yeah, so a mayday call is an emergency uh, situation, right? And so um, that's when you need immediate help. Um, and um, to start off, like there's there's certain protocol for issuing. Uh, both a mayday and a pom-pom. One thing I would recommend people do is to print out and laminate um, the procedures for making these calls. That way, in an emergency, when your adrenaline's really going, um, you can actually make uh, a call that's clear uh, and understandable, and it really kind of helps calm you down. So I, I'll kind of walk you through this. And so uh, well, first, first of all, you're going to say mayday three times. So you're going to say, and it's important to do it in a calm, clear voice. It's very difficult to do because there's a lot going on, especially if you have loved ones with you. But it's important that you make the whole trans transmission very uh, in a clear, calm voice. Um, so you want to say mayday, mayday, mayday. Then you want to say the name of your boat three times. So Martingale, this is the Martingale. Martingale, Martingale, and you have your call sign. If you're assigned a call sign, you say that once at the end of that. Then you'll repeat Mayday uh, after that. So that's the general announcement. Hey, everybody, listen to me. I'm in trouble. Uh, this is the name of my boat, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then we're going to report where we are. So that can be a GPS position is preferable, but you never know. You might not have power. So you could use uh, a landmark that's nearby to give a general description of where you are or your last known position, which is important. Um, you know, it's, a, it's another important reason to plot your, your positions regularly uh, in case something like this were to happen. So from there, so we've got our location and who we are. Now we're going to report the nature of the emergency. Uh, we have... Uh, um, Passenger on board having a heart attack. Uh, you then state what kind of assistance you need. Um, and from there, you're going to report the number of people on board and, and the conditions, the condition of any people who are injured. Uh, you're going to describe the boat. Okay. What, what are people looking for? What does the Martingale look like? Okay. What's its seaworthy state? All right. Are you listing? Um, anything, any kind of descriptors like that that will really make you help you stand out. And then from there, uh, you're basically going to say over and you're going to wait for a response. Now, something um, for 
people who are hearing this on the radio, you want to wait a little while because you want to wait for the Coast Guard to respond. Okay, you don't want to you don't want everybody to start jumping on the radio res- responding to this mayday call and then the Coast Guard can't actually respond to them. So it's important to wait a little while because um, the Coast Guard tend tends to have a, a few seconds delay to respond, but they will delay or they will respond, I should say, um, and and just listen in. And if you are in the area. Um, you know, certainly volunteer to help. Um, and yeah. Okay. And I, I love the suggestion to, you know, print out specifically the procedure and keep it, um, in easy reach in case of an emergency. For those of yeah. you who are members of AGLCA, who perhaps haven't explored the, all of the, the details of the website yet in our documents area, there is a folder for some procedures, and most of what we offer is in PDF format since, you know, just about anybody on any device can view a PDF. Um, in this particular case, in this, these documents, there's a series of them that we provide in a Word format. And the reason for that is they're designed, they're procedures, and they're designed to be customized to your boat. So we actually want you to edit these. We want you to fill in your specific boat information. Um, so there is a template essentially there for you if, um, if that's what you're in need of. So if you want to print that out and have that available to you and, and laminate that to have it available should the emergency come up. And um, to direct you to where you will find that, um, I'm just checking that on the website right now. You can go to the information menu and then go to publications and files and you'll see a link there to checklists and procedures and you will find all of the checklists and procedures there. They were written by one of our mem- uh, members and again they're specifically designed to be customizable to your boat. So there's a Mayday emergency procedure, there's a Pon emergency procedure and there's um, even one for responding to a Mayday call. Um, so definitely check those out when you have a chance. Um, Jeremy, let's kind of move on, if we can, to um, the hardware a little bit. Um, a lot of boats have uh, more than one VHF. Do you think that's necessary? I mean, redundancy is always a good thing. Um, but what do you suggest for, you know, kind of a, a typical looper boat have a board? Yeah, I would I would certainly recommend having more than one. Um, I mean, things, I mean, it's a long long trip that you're about to take on and, and things go, things fail, you know? Um, so certainly, uh, I would recommend having more than one, uh, VHF radio. And of course there's handheld and fixed mount. Um, any preference that you have on which of those, or should you have one of each? Yeah, I would recommend having, uh, one of each. Um, and the reason being is that, uh, the fixed mount, uh, basically is going to give you a greater range. So the right, the way that works is um, with the VHF, your your range uh, is basically affected by how high your antenna is. So it's by, by height of eye, right? And so when you have that, that fixed mount antenna, you're, you're, you're putting your, your reach out as high as possible um, and, and getting further range. Whereas the, the handheld, uh, you're, you're not going to, have as, as strong of a, a range when you're communicating with that, but it is it is handy for monitoring multiple channels uh, and and talking closer range. Okay, and of course, should you have to um, leave the boat at any point during an emergency, the handheld is of course something you're going to want to have with you. Right. Um, yes. Another kind of safety yep. device for the VHF. Some have DSC. So tell us what that is and how you use that, and any cautions you have about that. 
Yeah, so DSC is uh, is uh, digital selective calling, and uh, it's a it's a feature uh, on every radio now. That's every new radio, anyways. Um, that allows you uh, to transmit a digital uh, distress signal um, rather than having to do it by voice, like we just rehearsed, uh, which is very handy. The issue is, is that um, according to the Coast Guard, about 90% of the folks who have these radios don't program it. So it's the digital selective calling feature is basically useless. Um, but when you do program it, uh, it's basically a matter of pushing a button and selecting what the emergency is, and then it gets transmitted to the Coast Guard, and they can very quickly um, dispatch the help that's needed, and it also gets sent to any nearby vessels with digital selective calling. So why do you think that so many go unprogrammed, and, and what information do you need to be able to properly program yours? Yeah, so in order to program it, um, you need um, an MMSI number, okay, and that's assigned to you by either the, if for international voyages, you would have to apply for that through the FCC. Um, you can also apply for a domestic one uh, through your regional boating agencies like Boat US, SeaTo, uh, and that sort of thing. So it's just kind of an extra step. And it's not all that clear as far as far as people why they don't register it. I think it's just something that kind of gets skipped over. It's not something that's all that well known uh, when they first buy their uh, VHF. Uh, they just see that that distress button that they can push, and they just assume it works. But in order for it to work properly, you need that MMSI number because that that basically identifies it's a number assigned to your boat. It's not just to the radio; it's for your individual boat. And so that's going to tell the Coast Guard everything about your boat. And then you're also going to need to have the uh, the VHF uh, wired into your GPS so it'll transmit a, a position. Um, now, now some, some VHFs have a built-in uh, GPS in them, so that's not always required, but it's something you need to uh, certainly read your manual about. Yeah, and there's a lot of... Uh threads in the discussion forum on the greatloop.org website as well that um, explain the MMSI number. Um, so a very important thing, of course, you've mm -hmm. got that safety feature on your VHF. You certainly want to make sure that should you need it, it's programmed and working. Um, Jeremy, before we, we wrap up, is there anything else that you know you wish the recreational boating community knew about communicating effectively on the VHF? You know, I think the most important thing for folks is that uh, I, I know it, it can be stressful talking with uh, commercial traffic um, or even just talking on the radio in general, but to help put everybody's mind at ease, this is like the, the struggles of initially talking on the radio, especially if you don't do it a lot, uh, everybody deals with it. I dealt with it. The people I train who, who've gone to college to make this their career, they struggle with the radio at first. Everybody struggles, uh, and it's just something you kind of slowly get used to. And so that's what we're kind of hoping to help people with. Um, and um, so don't feel bad about it. Don't worry about what, what other people think about you. Um, the important thing is that you get a clear message across and that everybody's on the same page. 
Absolutely, and I think that's a, a great place to wrap this up. Um, Jeremy Dan with Untold Horizon, thank you for sharing all that information. I do want to remind our listeners that uh, we appreciate your feedback and your suggestions. So if you have additional questions for Jeremy that perhaps I haven't asked today, if you email those to podcast at greatloop.org, that'll get to me, and then I can follow up with Jeremy, and we plan to have some of these episodes in the future where we're just answering questions. So it can be a question for a guest that we've had in the past, or it can be a general question about the Great Loop that perhaps doesn't warrant a full episode, um, but we can answer those questions for you. We also love to hear your suggestions on topics for the podcast. So again, podcast at greatloop.org. Please send those our way. And we thank you for listening once again. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising.